All right, good to see you all this tonight. And I'm almost said this morning, my goodness, I'm almost all messed up. But if uh, you got a Bible, I'm going to talk to you a little bit this uh, evening about the parables of Jesus. And one in particular, Matthew chapter 7. So if you got a Bible, hope you do. If not, there might be one in front of you in the seat pocket or the, the seat rack below it. But you can turn to Matthew and uh, turn to chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 24 through 27. And uh, before we get there, we're talking about the foundations of our faith. One of the foundations of our faith is uh, talking about uh, the teachings of Jesus Christ and uh, talking about um, how he taught in parables. Anybody know what a parable is? A parable is a, yes, an earthly story with a heavenly message or meaning. Uh, Simply put, uh, a parable takes something that is common, something that is normal, or something that is very familiar to the listeners and the readers, and it compares it to something that might not be easily understood or something profound or something that might be uh, different than what uh, someone may perceive it to be. And Jesus used this method of teaching throughout the Gospels. We see Christ many times when he taught He would teach by the method of the parables. And there are many parables of Christ about uh, and his way of teaching to his disciples and his followers. And some wondered, why would Jesus choose to teach in parables? Um, Why did he choose to teach in parables? Jesus told them why. He told them, I teach in parables because I want followers who seek after truth. I don't want fair-weather fans. I don't want people who are just uh, in for easy believism. I want someone who's going to push after truth or seek after truth. He, he wants to invoke thought. He wants to invoke faith. He, he wants that those who trust and follow him to seek out truth. And as we begin to study the parables, let's remember that. Some of these parables are going to push you a little bit in what you believe and push you a little bit in the principle of what the, what the Bible says and what Christ was teaching his disciples. And Jesus likes that. He, he, he gives us some soul-stirring truths. He, he doesn't sugarcoat the truth. He, he speaks it straight. He speaks it strong. And, and he wasn't a passive person. And he wasn't a passive teacher by no stretch of the imagination. You would not go listen to Jesus to feel good about yourself. All right? He, he was going to tell you the truth about where you were with sin and where you were in repentance. And so as we study the parables, we're going to get an up-close and personal picture of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And it will be challenging. And many times it will be a part where we got to look to the world system at what it says and what we believe and compare it to what Jesus actually says and what Jesus means in his parables. And so uh, as we get ready to be challenged, as we get ready to take on this task of understanding these parables, I hope that as we go through a few of these on Wednesday nights, it will give you a little bit more understanding of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Christ. And so we're going to start with the first parable, the parable of the wise builder and the foolish builder. Um, the parable of the wise builder and the foolish uh, builder. In 1174, an Italian architect named Badano Pisano. Now, I'm not an Italian, so does that sound really good? That's kind of like a redneck Italian name, right? Uh, but he would work on one of his most famous projects. It was a bell tower to be eight stories high, roughly 185 foot tall for the cathedral of the city of 
Pisa. All right? And this was the crown jewel of his work as being an architect. And so there was only one little problem that the builders discovered quickly when they began to make the tower or, or, the, or the tower of Pisa, the bell tower. It was that the foundation was too shallow and it wasn't able to hold the structure um, that was going to be built there. And so sure enough, as they continued to build it, it began to lean, right? You guys ever heard of the leaning tower of Pisa, right? Um, and so sure enough, it finally, as they begin to build it, the architect was there, the builders were there, they begin to take even the top of it and build it at different levels to try to level the weight back out to see if they couldn't get it to lean so far. Um, and so nothing they did could ever compensate for the tilt that they had because they built it on a faulty foundation. Uh, everything about it was great. Everything about it was exactly the plan, except the foundation uh, was not adequate. The foundation was not correct. And if you look to this parable, I hope you can see this, that we see a lot of people in our world. We see a lot of people in our country today building things that may look nice on the outside, and it may look nice to those of a world system, but when God looks at it, or you look at it through the lens of what Christ would teach, you realize there's something majorly wrong. It's a fatal flaw in the foundation. And so Christ begins uh, in verse 24, Matthew chapter 7, verse 27. I'm going to read it. I'll go back and break it down a little bit. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So when Christ employed the use of this parable, here he had just completed the Sermon on the Mount. One of the greatest sermons ever preached, obviously, from the lips of Jesus Christ himself. He was talking about the spiritual saving nature of his kingdom, about the relationship that, that is now established between God and Christ and man. And perhaps he was assuming that his audience might have been listening to his words, but maybe walking away from there, determining if they were going to put it to work in their life or not. To whether if they really believed it, if they really had faith in what he said. And they probably, he was thinking, or he knew, some of them wouldn't obey what they heard. Just as many of us do today as well, right? Sometimes we hear, but we really don't hear, right? We don't obey. Well, the parable, concluding the Sermon on the Mount, encourages audience not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word as well. So, he sets up this uh, elements of the parable here. Uh, two builders, wise builder, foolish builder. So he says about the foolish builders, verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. And this is important for us to remember, especially in the Christianity of American civilization, right? In Western Christianity. There are many hearers. There are a lot of people who would call themselves Christians or say they live in a Christian nation. 
I don't know about you, but if you take the spiritual pulse of our country today, I would think you would have to agree it's not a Christian nation anymore. Like, like there is a lot of pushback and feedback on the foundations that our country was founded upon. And there's a lot of hearers. There's a lot of people who may say they believe in God or may say they believe in Christ, but they're just hearers. And Jesus is saying, my kingdom and my followings are not just to be heard. This is not just a message to tickle your ears. This is a message that you need to act upon. This is a message that needs to be put in the belief system or put in you as faith. And he says straight up, he says, these who hear these saying and does not do them, they are foolish. They, they are unwise. They are, they are foolish. Uh, another time in another story in Matthew chapter 19, verses 20 and 22, there was a young man that came to him. And he came to Christ and he said, uh, he was talking about the commandments and he was talking about the law. And he says, all these things I've kept from my youth and what do I still lack? Isn't it amazing that when you try to keep the elements of the law, but you don't have the faith and trust in God in your heart, that you always feel like something's lacking? Like, like there's just something missing there. He says, what do I lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect... Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Wow. It's a stark and a, a blatant reminder that when it comes to the message of Jesus Christ, there is a decision to be made. There is a commitment to be made. And here was this young ruler who thought he had everything figured out, who had followed the rules even since he was young. And now Christ comes to him and says, listen, you, you give all that you have. Why did he choose that? Because that was the one thing that he had in between him and Jesus Christ. And him and God. And he says, give that up. And then you come follow me as a commitment. And, and, and it says he went away sad. He made a choice to not do the following after Christ. And you read even more further on as you see uh, false commitment or fake commitment after fake commitment. And we look to our world and we look to the way that our culture says Christianity is. And we look to what Jesus says it is and it's totally different. Not that, not that we just hear, but that whoever hears these words and does them. The foolish builder says, I hear them, but it doesn't impact the way they build their life. But a wise builder hears them and does them. We, we, we commit them to our heart. We commit them to our life. James 1, through 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in a mirror. And for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So stark contrast, not one who just looks into the word, not one who just comes to a Sunday morning to hear a sermon, not someone who may put a bumper sticker on their car. But someone who looks at the word, looks at the truth, looks at Christianity, looks at who Christ is, and doesn't just go away and forget what he just heard or what he just read or what she just read or just she just heard, but yet they continue in it. It's a continual process of God changing their life. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
John 15, 10, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Luke 6, 46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So I think it's pretty clear. Jesus is making a point, and the point of his first wise builder and foolish builder is that those who just hear are not practicing or not putting into work, putting to work what he's t- he is telling them. But the wise builder... Here's what Jesus says. Here's what the Word of God says and puts it to work in their life. He, he has faith in it. He has trust in it. And he's obedient to it. Like, this impacts my life. I've said this before. If you say you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing has ever changed in your life before Christ to after Christ, then you didn't meet the Christ of the Bible. Every person that met the Jesus Christ of the Bible was changed. Now, Here's where, here's where sometimes we get in trouble as Christians because we like, to, we like to help people realize that they're not all they should be in God sometimes, right? They may not grow at the rate that we think they should be growing, right? And sometimes it does take a little while for all of us to change and to change our ways, to change our behavior. So sometimes as a new Christian or a Christian who's just come to Jesus Christ, They may talk a certain way, or they may still do certain things that you may look at and say, well, if that person's a Christian, then they shouldn't be doing this, and they shouldn't be doing that. Dr. Lindsay used to say, we need to be fruit inspectors, but we don't need to bruise the fruit, right? If they're new believers in Christ, we don't want to damage the work of God in our life. He's working on you. He's working on me, and we need to give room for the Holy Spirit to work, but if you say you've been a Christian for 10 years and nothing's ever changed, or 20 years, or 30 years... There's a problem with that. If we have people who say they're Christians who came to Christ when they're 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, and they've never lived a day for Jesus in their life or never served him, there's a problem with that message. There's a problem with the message that we, that we hear from churches, from preachers, from Christians, from the world system. So Christ says it's clear. Wise builder will hear my sayings and do them. A foolish builder will not uh, do them. He will hear them, but it won't impact his life. So, number two, here's where, here's what I like to call where the rubber meets the road, right? Um, if you look out in front of our church here, somebody let the rubber meet the road and peeled out all the way across our um, parking lot there. But anyhow, I don't know which one it was. I'm thinking it was Dustin. Maybe I'll blame it on Dustin. But he's got a new truck, so maybe he thought he was trying it out. But anyhow, where the rubber meets the road comes when Jesus talks about the facts of life and the way life is. Verse 25, he says, the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. So what's common to the believer and the non-believer? The rain's going to descend. The floods are going to come. The winds are going to blow. And it's going to beat on your spiritual house. It's going to beat on your faith. It's going to weary uh, your faith. And it says it comes from above, the rain descended. It comes from below, the floods come up. It comes from the world around us, the winds blow. And you think about it, the storms of life is common to all men. It's the thing called life and no one gets out alive, right? It, it, it's, it's always amazing how we have uh, the same common issues in life, whether you're a believer or not a non-believer. The question is how you deal with those things. How do you deal with death that comes into your life? 
How, how do you deal with death that comes into a loved one or death that's even you're facing in your life? How do you deal with illness? Christians get cancer. Non-Christians get cancer. Christians have diabetes. Non-Christians have diabetes. You go through the whole list. There's going to be illnesses. There's going to be death. There's going to be problems of this world. There's going to be, there's going to be problems with everything that you have in life, with your marriage, with your, with your kids. And, and, the, and the common trials and judgments of this world begins to separate what's real from what's not real. And as the winds come and the rains come and the floods come, it's going to come very, very evident by the end of your life to which way you really believe, to which foundation you're founded upon. By the way, I love to share this verse when I uh, do weddings because it's very important for people who get married to understand this. Uh, we have some, several people that's just been married, some that's going to get married, and I tell them the same thing. If your marriage is not founded upon Jesus Christ, it won't survive the storms that this life is going to bring you. And you gotta have, you got to be founded upon Jesus Christ, just in your marriage, but also in your life, in your faith. Because the common trials will come, and when they come, it's a time for separation. It's going to show you exactly where you stand. And as it beats on you, and it takes you, and it pulls you through this life, it's common to both. But the key is the foundations. It says the foolish builder built his house on the sand. The, the one who puts no thought into Christ's teaching is like a man who builds his house on the sand. It was several years ago, and it continues to happen. You drive down the beach, and you see these houses really close to the water. And even down towards Crescent Beach, or almost where Marine Land is and everything, you see that the sand is beginning to deteriorate away, further and further away. And just this past hurricane, there was 30 or 40 houses that were condemned because of the sand was just eroded away and it just washed all the sand away. And everything they had, people were on there talking about their dream house, where they wanted to live and all this stuff. And, and the foundation wasn't right. It was just built on sand and one storm come through and washed it all out from underneath them. See, that's the way Christ is saying, a foolish man who doesn't put the principles of Christ to work in his life, it's like someone building their house on the sand. And, and we look to the world and we see what are some things that people build their life on that's just sand. I think one is religion. The number one answer when you ask someone the question, why is it that you're going to go to heaven? The majority of the time, they give you a religious denomination. Well, I'm, I'm a Baptist or I'm a Presbyterian or I'm a Christian, or whatever it is, and I go to church, or I, I you know, teach Sunday school class. I do this, I do that. And, and listen, all those things are good in their proper place, but yet as a foundation, it's not proper. If you build your whole life upon religion, and, and you do a system of good works and attempt to please God, guess what's going to happen? You're never going to please God. If we could please God, why would he send Jesus Christ? We could never do it. And so as Christ come for us, it was not religion, us reaching up to God. It was God reaching down to us. He was giving us a, a way where there was no way. He was giving us an opportunity for salvation. And, and so many people I see in their life, they feel like they want to do something for God or something godly. And so they get into religion. 
And they go to church or they join a church or they do different things and they think that that religion is working somehow their way to going to heaven. Some people say, well, do you believe that all, uh, you know, all these people go to heaven? No, not all people go to heaven. Not all Baptists go to heaven. Not all Presbyterians go to heaven. Not all Pentecostals go to heaven. Not all people, not all these religion doesn't get you there. It's a relationship with God, and so many people build their life upon the false foundation of religion. Billy Graham, this was several years ago, he estimated him say that he thought an estimation of 50% of the people who go to church are lost. Think about that. If you were to put that today, how many people would just go to church to check a box or to feel good or to say, I did something for God? It's, it's not a religion. And when you build your foundation upon that, it's, it's a false foundation. You read in the Bible, you hear the story of Nicodemus. We all know that story. Nicodemus was a great religious leader. He was one who was part of the higher ups, what you would say, of the, of the Sanhedrin and those of the religious times. And he would be the who's who of religious leaders. And yet he knew something was missing and he went to Jesus at dark. And he went to him and he said, hey, what do you mean? How, how can I, how can I uh, come to know uh, God? And he says, Jesus tells him, he says, unless someone is born again, you shall not see the kingdom of God. And then he asks him again, and Jesus says again, unless someone be born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. So not only will you not see it here on earth, but you won't even enter it to it when, when you get into eternity. And, and, and it just blew him away because he said, how in the world can a man re-enter his mother's womb and be born again? And every mother said, impossible, right? <laughs> it's not going to happen. And you think about that, he was thinking so religiously, so, so much of what he needed to do to try to earn favor with God, but Jesus was telling him clearly, it's not religion, it's not something you do, it's not something that you put all your faith and trust in and doing good things, it is a relationship with Christ and being born from the Spirit of God. And how many people do you think at the end of their life is going to stand before God and he's going to say, I never knew you. Never knew you. But, but I went to church every Sunday. But I never knew you. But I, but I did a lot of good things and a lot of charity. And I took care of a lot of things. But I never knew you. Because religion is a false foundation. Think of another thing. Wealth. I work with uh, people and people who have homes and, and possessions that are pretty spectacular sometimes, you know. We work on houses that have 12 or 15 bathrooms. I just think they have a bathroom problem. I don't know. Maybe they, like maybe you just got to go to the bathroom a lot. I don't know. But as you work on the tile, you work on the different things, and people are paying $100,000 for a shower or a bathroom or a master bathroom or just some entry floors, and it's just one after another and after another. And after 20-something years of working in pe with people and wealthy people, you know what I realize? The majority of them are not happy. The majority of them are worried about something else. They're not happy people. They don't enjoy the things of God, the things that, that God has given them or the ability they have had to acquire wealth. They're, they're worried about getting the next thing or what someone else has. And they're worried about the next dollar or more dollars or more money. And their homes are wrecked. Their, family, their relationships are wrecked. Their kids are wrecked. 
And they, all they do is pursue after money, after money, after money. But yet somehow, some way they think building their life upon making money is going to make them happy, is going to satisfy them. That's a false foundation. Well, it doesn't matter how much money you have. When you stand before God, you're not going to say, how much money does it cost to get in heaven? Because you can't buy your way into heaven. It's impossible. It's a false foundation. I think of another one just of, of work. How many people think significance in work? I remember several years ago working, and I was getting to a point where, we, you know, I don't know, maybe Roger can agree with me. The tile business is just stressful, all right? It's just stressful. And, and there's a lot of stress and different construction, doing different things, and you're, you're trying to get a lot of things going. You're trying to do a lot of things, and things don't work out all the time. And those who've ever had anything done by construction people, you know, Two things never work, budgets and calendars, all right? <laughs> it's always going to cost you more than the budget says it's going to, and it's always going to take longer than it says it's going to, all right? Those are two things you could just get used to. And if you're a tile man, you get used to dust, too, because there's always going to be dust with that. But I remember talking to a stucco guy, and he was from Palaka, and he was working, and I was talking to him about work. And I was telling him about you know, just different things about how this guy was getting onto this and that and just driving me crazy and that and the other. And he said, you know what? He said, if you died tonight, they would have someone else out here tomorrow to finish your job. <laughs> I thought, you know what? He's right. He's right. We, we think so much significance in our work, but yet we realize one day that if we build our life upon work, beyond the, be, be, uh, build it upon the the significance of work, you meet people and know people, that's all they live for is their work, their career, to, to gain more and to be successful in their job. It's a false foundation. It's a false foundation because it's not going to save you. It's a, it's a, it's a false foundation that's not going to make you any more, uh, any more righteous before God. It's something that's going to leave you empty. It's going to leave you dry. So those are false foundations. I named a few. You can see many others, even in work in our world today, that tempts, um, tempts those and us. But not only the foolish builder, he talks about the wise builder. He says, the wise builder, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, for it was founded on the rock. I like the song we sang earlier. On Christ, a solid rock I stand, for all others a sinking sand, right? He says, now, for those who come to a relationship with Christ, they realize that when they go to build your life, there's only one thing to build it upon. That's the rock. Many of you know that's how part of how we got our name, Petra. It's Greek word for rock, and the rock means who? Jesus Christ, right? That's who it is. It says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Right? Upon this rock, or even here where it says, founded upon the rock. Who's the rock? It's Jesus. And he says, for a wise man, he will build his house upon the foundation of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is, which is Jesus Christ. Man, that's why when you come here on Sunday mornings, guess who you're going to hear about? Jesus. You come here on Wednesday nights, guess who you're going to hear about? Jesus. 
When you come to our kids program, who are you going to hear about? Jesus. When you come to the youth program, who are you going to hear about? Jesus. When you come to the women's and the men's, who are you going to hear about? Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's not about what, what anyone else could do for you. It's what Christ has done for you. And if you're a wise man, if you're someone who wants to uh, have a meaningful life that ends with a relationship with God in eternity, make sure your foundation is Jesus Christ. That's the sure way. And Jesus says, a stark contrast. Foolish man builds on the sand. Temporary. A wise man builds on the rock. Eternal. Christ. And then the two outcomes. The wise builder, verse 25, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And what does it say? And it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. Man, I wish I had time to just have a testimony time for people to line them up and walk and just be able to tell you how true that statement is. That, that the truth of Christianity is that the rains are going to come and the floods are going to come and the winds are going to blow and the, it's going to beat on your spiritual house. But with Jesus Christ, if you're founded upon him, it will not fall. It will not fall. That, that you can have strength in the midst of the worst storm. You can have strength in the midst of, the, of an unimaginable thing that could happen in your life. And, and not only that, but even when we get to the end of our life, when we stand before God, it's not going to fall. Our faith in Jesus Christ, rather than depart from me, for I never knew you're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That he is faithful and God is always faithful, and Jesus is faithful. And when we put our life and we found, when we put our life as the foundation of Jesus Christ at the most of it all, at the, at the, at the middle of it all, that, that as the winds come and the rains come, it will not fall. I'm just thinking about some rains that descended on my life, some floods that came, some winds that have blown on my life. Think about my, my marriage. Aaron and I is going to be married 21 years tomorrow. Can you believe that? Seems like two weeks for me. It seems like an eternity for her, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I just think back over the 21 years of some things that happened in our marriage or some things that's come into our marriage, even with our kids, some troubles we had and some issues we had and different things and how every single time that it, it, it comes back to our foundation. It comes back to Jesus. And, and for 21 years, it, it has not fallen. That God has been faithful. Christ has been faithful. And I'm 21 years, and there's some sitting here 40, 50 years, and 60 years. I mean, you can go on and on and on, and you can know that Christ is faithful, and you can line him up time after time after time. And just here on this earth, Christ is faithful. But yet, even when we get in eternity, he's going to be faithful for eternity. That he will not fail. He will not turn back. So, wise builder. Founded on the rock. It did not fall. Second one is the foolish builder. Look at verse 27. The rain descended. The floods came. The winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell. And great was its fall. Man, you think about that. The same wind, the same rain, the same uh, floods come. And instead of standing, it falls. 
And how sad it is when you see a life here on this earth, a marriage, a home, a family, that when it falls to the things of the world, it's sad. It's sad to see that just even in this world, but even more so, even what it, what it means even beyond this world. That as the building collapses, as the faith collapses, as the, as the things of their life collapses, great is the fall. You know, a lot of times we talk about the cost of discipleship. And even, you know, raising boys, my, you know, Tucker's graduating. This year he's 18 years old. And a lot of times we talk about, you know, being disciples of Christ. And you say it may cost you sometimes. It might cost you some friends. It might cost you a good time sometimes. It might cost you some things in this world that you might not experience. And, and people look to those things and those things feel good for a season. As we know, it's just a, it's just a mirage for, for, what, for what's going to come. We know it will collapse, but yet kids look to those things and young people look to those things. And they say, wow, but if I follow Christ, I, I won't be able to do this and I won't be able to do that. And I won't be able to do this. Well, the cost of discipleship is great. Christ says, come, follow me, and there's a commitment to be made. There's a commitment to be made to stay true to your marriage even when you don't want to stay true to your marriage. There's a, there's a commitment to be made to the things of God even when everyone else is not committed to the things of God. There's a commitment to be made when you go off to college and everyone else is doing something and you don't, you don't do those things. There's a commitment to be made. And the cost of following Christ, it is great. But let me remind you, the cost of not being a disciple is greater. The cost of not following Christ is greater. The, the cost that this world has for a person who does not know God and does not come to know Jesus Christ, it's a great fall. It's a great fall. It, it is a, it's, a, it's a great fall because it is, it is one that affects so many people and, and it ruins people's lives. It ruins families' lives. It ruins communities' lives. Many of you know, just in our community here this week, a little girl, 13 years old, was murdered by a 14-year-old boy. And many people know her, know the family, know different things, know the community. But you look to the, the, you look to the things of this world and all the things that are supposed to make you happy, whether it be drugs, whether it be relationships, whether it be chasing the dream. You would look on the outside, a, a perfect neighborhood, Great houses, swimming pools, all those things, all those things of the world. But that's not what Christ says to build your life upon. And all those things are empty, all those things are dry, and all those things won't change the heart of a, of a child. All those things won't change the, the, the life of a marriage or the, the heart of a family. And when we come to talking about the discipleship of Christ, yes, it is great. But the cost of non-discipleship or a person who's not a disciple of Christ, it's greater. Because their life will fall and the tragedy will come. And not just here on this earth, but even beyond this fall of this earth, even beyond in eternity. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. And it happens every day. And we see it time and time and time again. One of the things we got to do, since I'm thinking about Aaron and our uh, being married for 21 years, for our honeymoon, we got to go to Lake Tahoe. And uh, you guys know I don't fly. And so I decided to fly, right? 
And uh, I got on the airplane. Shortly after we took off, the guy behind me slaps me in the head two or three times. I'm thinking, what in the world? And he looks and he goes, y'all going to Tahoe? <laughs> it's like, no, we're going to jump off mid-flight here, <laughs> Mississippi or Alabama, you know. And then he hits me on the head again. He says, y'all just got married? And I said, all right, I can't take it anymore. It's like, do not hit me in the head one more time, all right? And I was, so as we flew into Lake Tahoe, we stayed there a couple of days, and we drove over to San Francisco. And in San Francisco, we got to see the Golden Gate Bridge. We got to see the Double Decker Bridge. Have anybody ever been there before? Yeah, so you get to see the different ones going into Oakland, the Double Decker Freeway Bridge. But several years ago, if you remember, an earthquake hit that bay there. And the earthquake hit the bay. When it hit the bay, if you remember, a Golden Gate Bridge is much older than the Double Decker Bridge. And the Double Decker Bridge going across there, the shock of it began to shake the top bridge and it kept, started bouncing up and down. You guys ever remember to see that on TV? And it bounced up and down and bounced up and down. And eventually, it came loose and hit the bottom bridge and then both middle bridges went plunging into the water. So you say, well, I'm not driving over bridges anymore. <laughs> but it, after, the, after they took it apart and realized, see what would happen to it, the main pillars of that suspension bridge that were part of the double-decker bridge was not uh, driven down into the, the sand far enough to hit bedrock. Whereas the Golden Gate Bridge was all the way down into the bedrock. The bedrock and even though it was older and it wasn't engineered as well, it was in the bedrock. And yet the double-decker bridge was in the sand, and the quake shook the pillars. And since it was built upon the sand, it began to shake. And as it shake, it, would, it fell, and great was its fall. But I say that to say two bridges. If you were to look at both of them, you couldn't tell a difference. You'd say that bridge and that bridge. They looked like they were constructed well, and everything was great. And everyone would say each one of them would be equal. But when the quake hit, one fell and one stood. And listen, every one of us is building a house. Every one of us is building a spiritual life. And, and, and if it's for us to live in our family, in our community, in our church. And when we begin to build, we must make the choice. What is the foundation that we're going to choose? Are we going to choose sand? Are we going to choose something temporary? Are we going to choose the things of this world? Or are we going to choose Christ? the solid rock? Are we going to ask Christ to forgive us, to save us, and to be the founding of the foundation of our life and of our marriage and of our home? And once we choose our foundation, we begin to build on it. And as Christ says, we build upon this foundation by obeying the sayings of Jesus Christ, by becoming disciples of him. That's one of our mission statements as a church, is to glorify God by becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. That's what we want to do. And as you begin to do that, you begin to obey Christ and you see these sayings of Christ in the word of God. And we take the Bible and we talk to God and we hear his word and we pray. And the Bible comes and the word of God, it's like a, it's like a blueprint. It tells you exactly how to build your house. It tells you exactly how, how, to, how to navigate the things of faith. And when it comes to life and the storms come and the problems come and they beat on it, it does not shake. It does not fall. It does not, it does not fall because it was built upon Jesus Christ. For you and for me, that's what a wise builder does. But sadly, there are people who are like the foolish builder. 
They don't want to dig deep enough. They don't want to repent of their sins. A lot of times we look to the world and say, how in the world could they keep going that way? The Bible tells us they love their evil deeds more than they love the righteousness of God. And they find those things, and they hang on to those things, and they think it's going to bring them pleasure. They think it's going to bring them something in this life. But yet when storms come, it separates what's real and what's not real. And when it falls, it falls. And great is the fall. So as you go back to the principle of the parable, two builders, a wise builder and a foolish builder. Two foundations. One builds upon Christ. One builds upon the things of the world. And then two outcomes. One falls and one stands. I don't know about you, but I don't want to build my life on shifting sand. I don't want to build my life on a political party. Amen, right? I don't want to build my party. I don't want to build my faith upon some political system or some nation, some country, some promise, some, some job. Some financial bank account, some religion, some pastor, some preacher. Listen, we don't worship men. We worship Jesus Christ. And as we build our life upon Jesus Christ, and we build it upon the sayings of the word of God, it will stand the test of time. And it will stand the test of eternity. Two kinds of builders. It's a great question for you to ask. Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you a wise builder? Or are you a foolish builder? And that's what Jesus was challenging his disciples. That's what Jesus was challenging those who were following after him. As you know, Jesus had a lot of followers. When he went to feed the 5,000, he had so many people there. He had tons of people there who were just followers, who were just hearers. Yet when he went off to his disciples, there was only 12 of them. And yet in his inner circle, there's only three of those. You see levels of them all the time. And even in our world today, you have people who say they're Christians, but their life doesn't show any reflection of that at all. And you have people who say they're hearers of the word of God or that they're Christians and they, but their life has never been changed. Those are, those are not the wise builder. Yet the, the wise builder is one who begins with Jesus and begins to build precept upon precept and building upon the principles of God's word to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus says for us to be in this shifting world that we live in.